What's up, Lemon Heads? Welcome back to another episode of From the Yellow Chair. I'm Emily. And I'm Crystal. And this week, we are back again from the Women in HVAC Conference in Houston. Or not Houston. Wow. I'm sorry. Wow. I'm sorry. It's I'm, because we love Texas. Well, and I'm ready to be back home. But we are in beautiful <laughs> Phoenix, Arizona. It and we perfect. have been gathering some awesome women in the trades to come and film a podcast with us. And today, we have a special guest, Miss Deborah Jakubowski from TACA, which is the Texas Air Conditioning Contractors Association. So welcome. Out of Pflugerville, Texas. Yeah. I am Pflugerville, Texas. And you were probably had Houston on your mind because y'all were just at our conference in Austin. Uh, yes. So, yes. Yes. Thank we you loved for being it. there. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. It was a well done uh, conference. We really enjoyed it. Thank you. So, uh, Deborah, tell us a little bit about like what you do, just so our listeners can kind of understand where you're coming from as we talk throughout the episode today. Yeah. So TACA is, uh, we're over 50-year-old organization. Uh, we were started with the purpose of creating a statewide license in oh. Texas because, you know, many states have, different municipalities have their licensing. And, and uh, our organization was started for the main purpose of creating that statewide license. Um, it took a while. It, uh, you, legislative efforts take a while to kind of um, come to fruition, so it didn't happen right away. But um, we were able to get that to happen um, years ago. I can't remember exactly what, like 1982 or something. So we've had a state license for a long time. But um, that is like one of the most important things that our organization does is uh, advocate for contractors and the industry at the legislative offices and at the licensing agency, any regulatory arena. Uh, we want to make sure that we are protecting contractors and their mm -hmm. scope of practice and their ability to make a living and uh, keep people from encroaching on those um, aspects of their business. Well, and probably help keep contractors informed of like, hey, this is coming up you know, in Austin to be talked about, or like, mm -hmm. here's how this change is going to mm -hmm. affect you guys. So providing that resource and that knowledge for them, I'm sure is very valuable. Absolutely. And we try really, really hard to keep our contractors informed on any changes that are coming up. We've mm -hmm. been talking about, you know, the, the refrigerants and CO2 yes. for ages. And um, another part of that is our collective voice in the legislature too. Mm -hmm. So having our contractors come together and being able to collectively have a grassroots effort to have something happen. Um, recently, uh, last year, the year before, we worked really hard, and, and it started with one of our members contacting us saying, hey, there's this is going to become a problem in the industry. It was the GFCI, um, the National Electrical Code, mm. requiring the outdoor GFCI, um, and it was creating a lot of nuisance um, calls or the potential to create a lot of nuisance calls for contractors. And starting with one person contacted us and said, we need to do something about that. And we reached out to our members, and then they collectively um, created a message that was sent to the licensing agency. How can we fix this for our contractors so that it's not um, creating these problems for the clients? Because that's what was ultimately going to happen is the clients were going to be impacted, and that was going to come back to the contractor and reflect badly on them. Yeah. Um, so together, as as a group, as an organization, and as a united front of contractors in Texas, that's where our collective power comes in, yes. when we can really come together and create good for the industry. Very nice. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's undervalued some. 
Um, I think that contractors, it's not always the most interesting side of things, Mm -hmm. but it's so important that you stay. I think it's more important that you have access to those resources when you need that. You see, now all of a sudden everyone cares about that SEER rating. So now they're like trying, they're, they're hungry for information that if you were super active in the TACA or in your chapters, as you were telling me about earlier, you probably were well ahead of the curve on understanding what was coming. Absolutely. Uh, if you're not paying attention to the information that's coming out, um, and, and it, it certainly wasn't just us. Uh, the information was coming out from so many different resources, and we were just trying to be a voice, mm-hmm. another avenue that we could get that information out to contractors. And, yeah, if you're not listening, you're not you're not getting ahead of the problems or right. the issues or being able to proactively address those challenges. Or that when that change up. actually does have, you have so much more of an uphill battle because you haven't been preparing for it 100%. all this time leading up to it. So one of the things that we thought we would make this this podcast about was kind of like what you, because you're in a leadership role in the organization. This is what your focus is. Your career is this. And so I know you see hundreds, if not thousands of contractors. Texas is a pretty happening place for heating and air conditioning. Uh, we like our heating <laughs> yeah. and air conditioning. Mainly air conditioning. We, yes. don't know how, we don't know how to be above or below 70. So <laughs> anything in any direction. That's right. So I think... What do you notice or like what are some key identifiers that you can see in contractors that are more successful? Like how are they participating or engaging with the organization in a way that makes them more successful? I believe that the most successful contractors are the ones that um, strive to have those relationships, to build connections, to be involved in the best practice groups, to mm-hmm. They hunger for that information. Yeah. They they want to come to the meetings and come to the chapter meetings and, and, and the conferences and learn more and become better. And and that that's how you become better. I mean, you have to want it. You don't become oh, successful yeah. because it just comes knocking at your just door. Just fell in your lap. Yeah. Right, right. Well, you work for it. And I know um, something that's important to note here is, you know, every different organization serves a different purpose most of the time. So your best practice groups like the Service Nation mm-hmm. um, Alliance and Service Roundtable and things like that, wonderful organization. Um, ACA slash TACA, you know, as we've kind of talked about the difference, but these um, government style um, organizations. That's kind of how my brain works for what it is. You know, just more regulations and things like that. It's a great combination together. So one may be much more focused on maybe operational best practices, mm-hmm. while other ones, other ones are much more like focused on what's really coming down the pipe equipment-wise, regulation-wise, and all of that, and how you can really marry the two. Um, and so they really complement each other well. So if you're not engaged in your their statewide ACA for most states, I think, because we were in, we were at Baltimore. Lemonseed was in Baltimore, and we were in, um, I think we've been in Michigan. So we've been at some other states that have a, a active um, ACA. local ACAs, yeah. I guess, you know. Um, and so I just want to encourage contractors to don't discount um, what your lo- what your organization can bring to you to stay informed about those things. On that state level, yeah. Yeah. It is really important. Um, so there is definitely a difference between national ACA and the state ACAs, as you mentioned. Um, we're not connected, but we do try to collaborate and work together. And we have different things, that, benefits that we bring to the contractors. So yeah. as you mentioned, the mixed groups or the best practices yes. groups, um, those are those are really 
valuable. I hear from everyone who's been involved in one of those, how important that was in their building a successful practice, uh, getting to the next level of where they wanted to see their business be. And we have not gone into that avenue because they do it so well. We yes. don't, we don't yeah. need to get into that area. They're, sure. they're, they're rocking it. Yeah. So for us at the state level, we want to make sure that we're focusing on things that are really, truly mindful of what's going on in our state. Are there issues that are specific in our state? And that doesn't have to be legislative or regulatory, but it, it could just be, you know, here's another one. You know, you've got a lot of people, Texas is on the border, yes. and you've got a lot of people that are doing contracting work without a license. Yeah. So yes. addressing the concerns about... Um, people who are who are doing air, you know, contracting work without a license, and how that could be risky for the homeowners because mm-hmm. they're not getting no support. Sure. People th- or or people that necessarily have the expertise and the knowledge to do what they're doing. They're mm-hmm. general labor. They're not exactly um, highly skilled installers. No, but that's so important though because the national ACA can't provide you those state specific things and so that's why I think it's very beneficial to be a part of both you 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 get the benefits from both in their own right way I fully agree with that because we like I said we do different things and we bring different things to the table for the contractors and so if you're a member of just one organization you're getting great benefit you're getting wonderful benefit from that organization but you're missing that other the other pieces that the other organization can be bringing to the table um yeah, we aren't going to get involved in federal legislative efforts. That's yeah. not where we, where our focus is. Our fo- focus is very um, state level policy making. So when things are coming up, like the refrigerant changes and the CO two changes and the disposable cylinder changes, all of those things, we can help have a voice and we can help support the national organization. But we're not going to get into that fight ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're going to focus on state level mm-hmm. advocacy. Very good. Yeah, again, you know, you go into these things about good contractors um, are the ones that participate in general. Um, And so being a member of TACA and actually participating and attending and giving back and then receiving um, good advice is very much a part of how how much you reap, how many benefits you reap from your uh, membership there. And I think it's really important to remember that we have an obligation as, as owners, to really be paying attention to the specifics so that we can educate our teams and we can feel confident in making business decisions. I mean, we're headed towards the end of the year. Everything's been scary, right? So manufacturers are taking price increases left and right. CRMs are taking price increases as fast as they can. Equipment shortages with different manufacturers. And now you're going to labor, labor it even more with refrigerant issues. And, you know, everybody's kind of scared to death. And right at your fingertips are resources. And the more you've, if you would have already, I say this time, so dig your well before you're thirsty. So mm-hmm. if you were already just engaging with your organization on, um, I'm assuming there's some sort of like quarterly meetings or is there things like that? Okay. So you, you have opportunities to just stay connected so that when the time comes and you're like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? You've really laid out this really good working relationship with the, the more regulatory side of our business. I do think that the contractors that are engaged with an organization are the ones that are looking to 
know more, mm-hmm. yeah. to learn more, to be ahead of the curve. Um, I like to think that it's about lifelong learning. And mm-hmm. right now we're in a we're in a period where there's a whole lot going on, like you mentioned. There's a lot. Yeah. And it, it, there's a lot of change all at once. It can be a little bit scary. But having information is power and mm-hmm. knowledge is power and getting ahead of that curve and knowing more about what's coming and preparing for it. Um, it doesn't make it always less scary, but when you're prepared, you're less likely to be a knee-jerk reaction to things. You can get ahead of it and just just be more successful. And I think that the contractors that are engaged with their organizations are the ones that want to know those things. They want to know more. They, they want to have that information and that news and um, know more about cutting edge technologies and just expand well, those their Those are the their contractors knowledge. that are going to be around in 50 plus years, you know, not, yeah, it was this way when I got started and I never figured out how to innovate. And then they just slowly were, phased out they couldn't keep up with the times and stuff so like that's the challenging part i think for contractors is to always be that visionary and to see like okay what is next and how can i be adapting my business because your team members aren't going to do that for you they're not going to be up on that so like you have to be absorbing that knowledge so that you can know how to pivot and direct the company for as the times change and so that you don't become obsolete. Yeah, absolutely. Pivoting. I love that you use that that term. It's been a little bit overused, but it is true that if you have a vision, if you if you have a plan, if you are flexible and adaptable and you can pivot, you are going to be able to navigate those changes yeah. much easier. I saw that during um, the pandemic when mm. – you know, in Texas, anyway, we had to go to the governor and um, ask him to name HVAC as essential business in Texas yes. mm. so that our contractors, because at first we weren't sure that they were going to be essential. Let you go into homes and exactly. stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So we had to go to the governor. We had to request that. He obviously, he put that into effect. They were considered essential business. And the contractors that thrived, and I hate to use that word that someone would be thriving through the pandemic, but their businesses were successful and thrived is because they made immediate changes to what they were doing. Yeah. They they did things they like... They shifted. They shifted. They knew that this was scary for their homeowners, and they knew that they needed to let those homeowners know that letting their technicians in was a safe thing to do, that their technicians were going to do whatever they could do to keep those homeowners safe from, from the pandemic. So they were, you know, we're going to glove, we're going to, you know, cover our shoes, we're going to, you know, uh, use hand sanitizer. All the things that they put into place, the ones that did that immediately and had that, um, had that in place right away just didn't. I feel like most of the ones I've talked to anyway did not see a negative impact during well, that time. And when you're prepared like yeah. that, it really doesn't help your marketing, right? So then you can take that, which is what we like to see is when people are very educated about those things like the COVID protocols and things like that, um, you're able to really work that into your marketing and your brand. And so, you know, we put masks on mascots and all kinds of things just to show the communities that people were live, working, and playing in that – we under the contractor understood what was going on they were aware and they had solutions yeah addressing their fears but then also like what a great you said like lots of people were able to thrive or still have successful business one everyone had to go home but then two what kind of opportunity to kind of upsell and increase your average ticket with like indoor air quality items and you know the uv lights to kill bacteria and viruses and things like that you know being able to present yourself and say hey this is a kind of a crappy card hand we're dealt, but here's how we can adjust and make the most of it. Absolutely. And, and that is so true. The, the indoor air quality became such a huge thing for mm-hmm. homeowners. Uh, if you think about 
they did, many people were working from home or just stuck at home and they had their families at home and they're living and breathing in this environment that, that was scary for everyone, even if you're in your home. And uh, to be able to have someone come in and say, hey, I have some solutions and I have some ways to make you feel more comfortable and more safe in your home. You're recognizing their fears and mm -hmm. providing a solution for it. Mm -hmm. It was wonderful. Yeah, and uh, another thing that made me think about it is right now we have contractors that are a little bit panicking about SEER, the SEER and how you're going to have to change this and change that. And they're wanting to send out a little bit, not a scare tactic, but kind of a scare tactic. But some of our contractors are not well informed themselves. Mm-hmm. So we're they're scared. And so they're almost wanting to project that, oh, my gosh, everybody should be scared about these. And I'm like, uh, we need to back up a little bit and make sure that we understand what we're telling people and that it's correct um, and that it's solid information that's not um, caught up in a trendy tagline of, oh my gosh, everybody better do it now. It's going to cost you double the price next year. I'm fine if that's reality, mm-hmm. but we need to make sure that we're not jumping the gun there and being a little too too reactive to the buzz. And so again, this is a good resource for healthy and dependable information that we can use to then say, okay, how do we educate our homeowners on why now is the best time to buy? And what we can actually cite sources. Like we got this information from our TACA website and things like that. Those are important when it comes to marketing and not being scary and not jumping out there. I know for a while, you know, um, energy was a big thing. So everybody was on these energy rebates and energy savings. And, and that was a big ploy. And everybody was like, you could save this much money by doing different things and, you know, upgrading to this and that. But really at the end of the day, the con- the homeowners didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. And so the way it was presented in letters and emails and things like that was very problematic. Um, and people were getting called on the carpet. Like, well, you said this was going to save me $600 over two years. It only saved me $300. You had no caveats in here. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Well, you know, well, did you buy a new washing machine? Now, did you have a kid? Like, yeah. there's things that drive <laughs> yes. that up, you know. Um, and so I think it's a good point to bring up that, you know, while things in regulatory things are not always the most flashy things no. in your life, you do need to step back and pay attention to them. Right. Um, it's the same thing for marketers that are worried about, you know, the new G4 coming out and all those things it is your settings yes it is your responsibility as a contractor to educate yourself and the TACA style organizations around the country are such an easy way to have literally at your fingertips supportive staff and and supportive groups and other like-minded contractors that care about it and then I just encourage you to participate Mm -hmm. Um, give back attend your conferences attend webinars and shows and things that are put on attend those things do those things so that you really can reap the benefits of what you're investing in Um, just like anything goes you know you get mad at a CRM that just got started well you know you didn't spend any time getting prepared sure or you're going to get out of it what you put into it you know so don't have these super high expectations if you're not going to attend the meetings do the readings of the materials and resources that you guys provide and things like that you know when you're invested in it you will get something out of it we and we really do try to um you know incorporate the things that are going on obviously I mean that's part of what we do but we really listen to what are people's concerns what is the buzz what is happening in the the industry and and what is scary and and what do people have questions about and that's what we try to feed information (coughs) on because 
that's what they're looking for, yeah. whether they know it or not. You kind of hear, you know, a little grumbling about something mm-hmm. going on, but that's really more of a, I don't understand it. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how that's going to impact my business. And hopefully what we can do is take that information and, and gather resources to give them as much information as they can have to make decisions moving forward. Well, and if you love the regulatory side, like you, you're all up in refrigerant modifications. I mean, some people really dig that, like really love that side of the business. Then I really encourage you to jump in on these things because people that are passionate about that side of the business um, are, are vital to the success of, of some of these um, organizations. And I just like, we, we talk about this a lot. When you go around and you, like the conference that we were at was a beautiful location in Austin, Texas, overlooking Lake Travis. It was wonderful. Um, but there was such a good mixture of vendor partners there that were there to help contractors. And mm-hmm. then the breakouts were very regulatory with a little mixture of like how to apply that with some coaching opportunities. And it was really a breath of fresh air because it was different. The yeah. focus was different. It wasn't so look at all these vendors and look how great everything is and all the overwhelming things that come along with it. It was very purposeful with the, with the intent of why you were there. And so if you're passionate about those things, really plug in because people that are passionate about things tend to take it to the next level. And those of us that maybe aren't as passionate, you need to go watch when people are passionate about these things, because it really, it really will kind of motivate you be like, I did not realize all that goes on behind the scenes on the steps of the Capitol at Austin, Texas. Sure. Absolutely. I really appreciate you saying that about the conference because we were very purposeful and intentional about the speakers that we brought and the topics that we brought and making sure that there was a a range of mm-hmm. topics that were going to be talked about and that there was a lot of interaction between all of our contractors and our vendors that were there so yes. thank you so much for um well, they had a rocking casino not only went for the first little bit but it was hopping in there like i was on the streets of vegas well and then you were a speaker at taca i was you know and and you had a fun a... little presentation about monsters you know yes it was a fun time i do have to tell you like the contractors at the taca event are a little different they're much more um they're not flashy as much and so they're just like there for the content and i'm all you know i'm super animated and at the end of it one guy goes I'm extremely interested and tired at the same time (laughs) you're a lot of energy in this room Uh, but we really enjoyed just the networking and the camaraderie that group is pretty tight-knit as well Um, they kind of have their own um, OG gang you know and Mm -hmm. and they're there for each other and it was it was a very it was a really unique experience for us and so we really enjoyed it we gave away our yellow JBL speaker at the casino night and so it was a lot of fun so well Deborah, thank you so much for taking time I know you were right enjoying that snack break and I went and snagged you up I'm, I'm eyeballing my lemon bar but I'm gonna get to it yes <laughs> we were the lemon um, sponsor of this break hour and so she's out there getting her lemon bar and lemonade so guys thank you so much for listening to another episode of from the yellow chair if you like this episode please leave us a review check out your local statewide ACAs and uh, get involved we really appreciate it so absolutely we will talk to you later bye